Welcome to In the Booth, a Frederick News Post podcast exploring the 2016 races to represent Frederick County. This has been an election year like no other, both around the county and around the country. Here, we'll explore issues important to Frederick County voters, from third-party candidates to overcrowded roads and classrooms to presidential politics. I'm Danielle Gaines, here with my co-host, Andy Schatz. Hello. And we are In the Booth. Glad Hill Furniture is the only place you need to visit. Save big by taking half off all leather furniture store-wide. And this month, you can also take advantage of 24 months 0% financing. Stop by and visit one of our expert design consultants and get luxury for less. Chris Van Hollen has been a state delegate, state senator, and U.S. representative for Maryland's 8th District. Now, he's seeking to step into retiring Senator Barbara Mikulski's seat. He knows the position. Before Mikulski, it belonged to Frederick County Senator Charles Mack Mathias, a Republican Van Hollen worked for early in his political career. In Congress, Van Hollen has championed legislation that ended higher profit margins on student loans and, as a member of the Democratic leadership team, helped pass the Economic Recovery Bill in 2009. In the Senate, he wants to address growing income inequality in America and expand educational opportunity. Van Hollen stopped by In the Booth to discuss those issues and more. Welcome. Thanks for coming in. It's great to be with you on your maiden voyage of podcast. Exactly. Thank you. Um, well, you know, probably not all of our listeners have had an opportunity to meet you in person and get to know you. So could you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Uh, my father's family's from Baltimore City originally. Uh, then my dad went into the Navy. Uh, he met my mom, who was the daughter of an English teacher. Uh, my mom then became a, a Russian language expert, uh, and they teamed up. My dad was in the Foreign Service, uh, so home base was this area, uh, but I also lived in many other parts of the world coming back here in between. And then when uh, my wife and I uh, settled in Maryland um, and started to have a family, I got very involved in uh, some local politics uh, and also focused a lot on education. Uh, issues, uh, which have been a passion of mine uh, ever since uh, because of the importance of making sure that uh, every kid has a good opportunity to get a good start in life. Uh, and so that has been a focus of mine. I ran for the state legislature, uh, worked a lot on education issues as well as other issues, and then ran for the Congress. Um, uh, married to my wife, Catherine, and we have three kids. Okay. And, and why are you running for Senate now? You've been in Congress for a little while. Why, why Senate? Well, I think there's a great opportunity uh, in the Senate uh, to build on the legacy of Barbara Mikulski. I think she's been a terrific uh, United States Senator. I'm very proud to have her strong support and endorsement uh, in this election. And I've been traveling around the state uh, with Senator Mikulski to continue to focus on jobs in Maryland. Uh, and the federal government plays a really important role uh, in the state of Maryland and the job situation here. I mean, we're in Frederick uh, County here. Uh, Fort Detrick is obviously a huge national asset, also very important regionally uh, to the state of Maryland. Uh, you've got the National Institutes of Health the, and, the, and the 
NCI, the Cancer Institute here in Frederick. So I think there's the potential to leverage those important federal investments uh, for good paying jobs uh, in the state of Maryland and to build partnerships uh, between those public entities uh, and the private sector and the businesses uh, here throughout the state of Maryland. Um, also, since I've been representing the 8th Congressional District that includes part of Frederick, it's been a great honor to work with many in the farming community uh, here in Frederick uh, to try to make sure that uh, they continue to have the capacity to grow and put um, food on the table uh, of Marylanders. So as I look around the state, uh, I think there's just great potential here in Maryland. I think being in the United States Senate, um, given the additional uh, sort of powers of individual senators provides a, an, an opportunity to work with Marylanders uh, to help advance the goals of our state and our, our counties. Okay. There's been a very big divide in this during this election over party lines. And uh, what, how would you anticipate being able to step into the Senate and actually get anything done? What's your, your thought about the atmosphere and how you might be able to still do something productive? Well, there is uh, a very poisonous atmosphere nationally, uh, politically, and obviously we see in the, the presidential election um, a real clash. And, I, you know, I have to say that you know, Donald Trump, uh, unfortunately, has dragged the conversation down even farther through his sort of divisive approach to politics. And I think what we need, uh, instead of people who want to divide us, um, you know, based on religion or ethnicity, or race, or ideology, uh, are people who are willing to uh, reach across the aisle and get things done. And I, I'm pleased to have the reputation of someone who's done that. You know, back in the day, I actually worked for Senator Mathias, uh, who came from uh, Frederick County. He was a moderate Republican. Uh, he's a good role model uh, for the type of person that's willing to work across party lines to get things done. Uh, and, and I'm pleased on a lot of issues that don't necessarily get the headlines uh, to have uh, actually uh, advanced important uh, issues. Recently, uh, I worked with Republicans to pass legislation to help families who have kids with disabilities uh, because one of their biggest concerns is what happens to their kids with disabilities when the parents are no longer here to care for them. And we set up the ability to put aside money tax-free to care for those kids, just like you have the college uh, savings uh, plans. I work with Republicans on whistleblower protection uh, efforts, so making sure that um, if, if a federal employee uh, identified wrongdoing or fraud, they could blow the whistle on that without fear of being fired themselves or retaliation uh, against them. Uh, and then worked on a lot of local transportation projects and actually Chesapeake Bay protection uh, efforts on a bipartisan basis. Uh, and just last year, we actually were able to pass federal uh, bipartisan legislation to replace the No Child Left Behind law to keep what was best in it, but also uh, move beyond a lot of this, the, the pieces that had been causing problems uh, in Maryland and around the country. So I, I do think it's really important that uh, we have people who will strongly reflect the priorities and values of the people of Maryland and also be willing to reach out uh, to work with others. Because if you take an all or nothing view in Congress that it's you got to get a hundred percent your way or nothing people end up with nothing and uh, so I'm always somebody who believes we need to 
advance where we can, uh, and you shouldn't make the perfect the enemy of the good. Let's, let's just try and get some wins uh, for Maryland and for the uh, American people. How could you imagine a Senate working with President Trump? Well, it is hard for me uh, to imagine. I'm going to work very hard to make sure that that's uh, not the case, uh, because I think uh, Hillary Clinton uh, is a candidate who has proven over a period of time not just her commitment to issues like kids and health care and working families, uh, but also a willingness uh, to work across party lines. I mean, you, today you hear all the Republicans attacking Hillary Clinton, but when she was a United States senator, uh, they used to praise her willingness and abilities to work across party lines uh, with Republican senators uh, to get things done. So uh, I'm going to work very hard between now and Election Day, um, not just to ask for the support of Marylanders for my own Senate race, uh, but also to uh, help Hillary Clinton. Uh, and if uh, for any reason that didn't work out, then I'll have to consider your proposition. But I- I'm working very hard to make sure that's not the case. <laughs> it, it, there will be a fair number of Marylanders who cast a vote for Donald Trump. How do you see yourself um, working with them or reaching out to them after an election, no matter which way it goes, to represent their interests? Well, sure. Look, I mean, the senator of, of, for Maryland, and I, I really hope to earn the, the confidence of all the voters in the state, uh, is somebody who will represent people regardless of their party affiliation. And uh, I think one of the things I've done and certainly tried to do uh, is reach out to people throughout uh, my congressional district, regardless of party affiliation. Now, as I'm campaigning, I'm spending a lot of time in the traditionally more Republican parts of the state, Um, spent a lot of time on the Eastern Shore, spent a lot of time in Western Maryland. Uh, And in my current congressional district, in addition to representing uh, really the more Republican parts of Frederick County, uh, I also represent a big part of Carroll County and have made a real effort over the years to go out and talk to people. And what I've what I've learned and maybe it's not surprising, but I do think it's a promising sign is that. People respect others when they're willing to go and engage in a dialogue and a conversation and maybe not always agree on every issue. Uh, And I do think sometimes uh, Democrats, when they're campaigning in the state of Maryland, they tend to only go to the areas where there are high concentrations of Democrats. Um, I think that's a mistake. Uh, And so I'm going to campaign everywhere. And if given the opportunity to represent the whole state, we'll continue to to govern in partnership with people from all parts of the state and all different uh, political views. Let's talk, <clears throat> let's talk a little bit about two specific transportation issues that are important to Frederick County, Interstate 270 and Metro. What specific uh, ideas do you have for the future of each? Well, sure, let's start with the I-270. You're right, uh, there's a whole lot of congestion uh, on the I-270 uh, corridor. I am. Uh, pleased that, um, you know, with the, the the passage of the federal transportation bill, um, which again was a, was a bipartisan step forward, it wasn't earth-shaking. In other words, we didn't do what I think we need to do in terms of expanding our federal investment in modernizing our infrastructure. Uh, but we did pass um, within the last year legislation that would at least provide some predictability uh, in federal funds. And those funds have made it possible for Maryland to put more money uh, into uh, uh, trying to reduce congestion on I-270. 
And the governor uh, has identified funds for that purpose. Now, exactly how we do that is a conversation that needs to take place between local, state, and federal leaders, Frederick County, Montgomery County, uh, and that's a conversation ongoing. But the good news is we have identified additional resources for the purpose of uh, reducing uh, congestion uh, on I-270. With respect to Metro, uh, again, we the, the good news is that uh, we've been successful over the last, you know, five, six, seven years uh, of getting $150 million in federal funds for the metro system. Uh, the Washington Metro is the only metro system in the country that gets this kind of allocation uh, above and beyond the money it gets from formulas, uh, $150 million for the purpose of metro operations specifically. Uh, we have to fight every year. Uh, in, the, in the House of Representatives, there's always an effort to cut that money, uh, but we need to maintain that money. At the same time, I think everybody knows we have a real sort of crisis of confidence at Metro because of their safety problems. Uh, I'm pleased with the new Metro manager who's come in, a Marylander who used to be the uh, managed BWI. Uh, and uh, I think that his whole safe track effort, while it's going to inconvenience people in the short run, is necessary uh, in order to improve the safety of the system in the long run. Finally, if we really want to modernize and expand Metro, uh, we are going to have to, as a, as a community, look for uh, sustainable funding uh, sources. Um, and that'll be a conversation that uh, we have as a region uh, because, of course, Metro involves not just Maryland but Virginia and the District of Columbia. How often do you get to use Metro, and have you experienced any of the typical frustrations other riders have had? I use Metro. I, now, I used to ride it all the time. Uh, I used to ride it uh, to and from work. My, my current job requires me to go too many places in between that uh, don't have Metro uh, access, uh, but I still ride it to events, uh, to football games. Uh, it's the fastest way to get there. And uh, I think that, again, I, and I also, of course, hear from constituents about uh, the unpredictability uh, and problems in the system. So we are very active uh, in engaging with Metro, uh, not just on the long-term funding issues, uh, but trying to make sure that uh, we minimize inconvenience uh, to, to riders. But, uh, you know, that's another side effect of the safety problems. If you have chronic safety issues, it means you're going to have to be closing down uh, the tracks more, more frequently. So better stop, take time out, uh, put in place the safe track, uh, you know, adjustments, uh, and then hopefully uh, that will result in uh, more on-time and better service. Uh, on a different issue, on the topic of criminal justice reform, Maryland has been doing a lot in that area. Do you think that the federal government should be undertaking some reforms of the federal court system? Uh, yes, I am a strong uh, advocate of criminal justice reform, have been for some time. Uh, I think, you know, we made a mistake in this country uh, in terms of over-incarcerating people uh, for substance abuse um, and nonviolent crimes. Uh, we, ha we do have a problem of mass incarceration in the United States. Uh, we have 5% of the world's population, but 25% of the world's prison 
uh, population. Uh, and you know, my view is that when it comes to people who are uh, substance abusers, uh, we need to approach them with a healthcare uh, model. We're of course seeing an epidemic uh, in the state of Maryland, all parts of Maryland, Eastern Shore, Western Maryland, urban areas, suburban areas, uh, when it comes to opioids and heroin. Uh, and you know, locking people up for use is not a solution. Um, and so we need, we need a, a better approach to that. You're right, the state, I think, has taken some important steps in criminal justice reform. Uh, the president uh, has taken some important steps within his existing authorities uh, for criminal justice reform. And of course, just recently announced that when it comes to federal prisons, uh, we will no longer have private prisons. We're not going to give people a profit motive uh, to expand incarceration uh, in the United States. We do need, of course, for public safety, to, we need to lock up violent criminals, um, and we should focus on making sure that we have um, room to lock up violent criminals um, rather than uh, pressure to let them out because our jails are already filled with people who are nonviolent. Uh, so uh, I think there's a lot of work to be done uh, at the federal level in that area. I'm uh, a co-sponsor of several pieces of legislation, bipartisan pieces of legislation, to do that. Mm -hmm. Coming back to the uh, topic of partisan divide, we've now been several months without a Supreme Court justice filling that vacancy. Uh, the Republicans have made it clear that they do not want to hold hearings on the president's choice. Where do you stand on this uh, debate? Well, I think uh, it's been grossly negligent uh, for the Senate to refuse to have even a hearing uh, on the president's nominee. This, this idea that the president's only elected to like three years as opposed to a four-year term um, is a nonsense. And it's a, it's a gross uh, violation of the Senate's constitutional responsibilities to advise and consent. Uh, to the president's uh, nominee. You can't advise and consent if you refuse to even hold a hearing. Uh, and so uh, this is obviously going to be something that uh, the Congress has got to get to. Uh, it's a big issue in this election. Uh, and, you know, we've, we've seen, you know, a couple four to four decisions now in the Supreme Court. Uh, we need a full contingent uh, on the Supreme Court. And uh, so I'm I'm very much hoping uh, to be part of a, a Democratic majority uh, in the United States Senate uh, that can move quickly on some of these uh, nominations, including the Supreme Court nomination. Uh, on a somewhat related note, um, in Frederick and in other places like Baltimore, um, in Frederick we have statues of Roger Boktani, um, and there has been this conversation nationally about um, the Confederate flag and other symbols and relics of a divided America. Do you think that those symbols have a place in, in the public, or how should they be retired? Um, what are your thoughts? Well, I think we've got to examine them, and I think we've got to recognize that um, in this day and age, uh, we have to understand that some of those symbols really do represent um, a, a sort of a, a deep sort of racism from the past. So, for example, in South Carolina, um, it was really important that they retired the state flag that had the Confederate symbol on it because the Confederate symbol does indicate, uh, you know, that kind of 
you know, support we saw for slavery in the United States. Uh, and so I do believe that we need to sort of look at each of these on their own uh, merits uh, and make, make decisions uh, accordingly. And in some cases like South Carolina and the flags, it's going to be really important to take down uh, those symbols. And so we need, we need to look at each of them. Um, as you know, in the Maryland legislature, uh, years and years ago, um, because you had Tony on one side, a, an important uh, memorial uh, was established uh, to Thurgood Marshall, mm-hmm. uh, who was from Baltimore City, who was one of the lawyers for the NAACP, of course, the first African-American Supreme Court justice. Um, and so it was really fitting that as you walk into the state capitol, you first see uh, Justice Thurgood Marshall uh, with the um, engraving equal justice under uh, the law. So we, we can look at all of these on a uh, case-by-case basis and make, uh, make decisions. But just expanding on that a little bit, is, is that a balance that you are comfortable with, having Marshall's significance right alongside Tawney's? Um, does that answer the question of people who say, well, it needs to come down, it needs to be moved? Do you think that that is a fair solution? I'm not sure it is. I mean, I think that was an answer in its time, and I think we need to reexamine, uh, you know, the, again, through the lens of current history, um, each of these uh, statues. So I think there's an ongoing look right now, uh, which I support, uh, as to whether or not uh, we should maintain the, the Tawny statue. I was really a, a supporter and an outspoken supporter of the decision at University of Maryland College Park uh, to get rid of the, the Bird uh, mm-hmm. Stadium because I think that uh, as people looked at the legacy, his legacy, uh, they recognized it was one of gross intolerance. And it made no sense to have the major stadium uh, named after somebody who symbolized gross intolerance. That's an issue that, you know, it didn't, it didn't come up 15 years ago, uh, and, but it was properly brought up, and I was pleased to see the change. So, uh, again, uh, you know, part, part of this, uh, you know, is a conversation that takes place at the local level and the state level and the federal level. Uh, in Montgomery County, uh, I very much uh, supported a County Executive Ike Leggett's decision to move a statute uh, that was on county grounds uh, that also, uh, in the view of most of us, symbolized, um, uh, you, know, uh, you know, slavery, and uh, I thought it was really important that that uh, be taken down. So, uh, a- again, let's look at each of these uh, issues. In Congress, uh, there's a whole question about, uh, you know, Confederate symbols at some of the national cemeteries, and we've been pushing uh, to making sure that those are uh, taken down in terms of the display by the cemetery of any kind of, uh, you know, symbols like that. And are you comfortable using the name Redskins, or will you only say Washington football team? Well, I, I, I think that uh, Washington football team is probably the, the uh, you know, way to go here. Look, I, I, on these issues, I, I really believe we need to have a conversation. Um, I, 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 I don't believe that uh, it's, it's necessary to get, uh, on, on the particular issue of the football team name, uh, 
I don't think Congress should get in the business of trying to force name change. Uh, there is legislation uh, to do that. I don't think that's con- Congress's decision. But I do think it's a conversation we need to have um, as supporters of the team, and I'm a big supporter and a big fan. Okay. Um, changing course a little bit. Um, this year will mark the 15th anniversary of the September 11th terrorist attacks. Um, do you think that America is safer now than it was in 2001? I do think America is safer. That doesn't mean that uh, America is safe or the world is a common uh, peaceful place, uh, but I do think uh, we're safer. Al-Qaeda uh, has been pretty much uh, decimated, although there are some remnants of Al-Qaeda around the world, including uh, in in Syria. Uh, obviously, there are new threats that have arisen, uh, you know, primarily at least in terms of terrorist threats, uh, ISIS uh, being the, the major threat. Uh, they have not yet demonstrated the kind of sufficient sophistication uh, in terms of operations uh, that al-Qaeda was able to carry out. And it is really important uh, that we focus on uh, annihilating ISIS. That means first uh, focusing on uh, shrinking the territory that they can operate out of. And we have made gains uh, in in that front. In fact, as we gather here today, the United States is working with Turkey and our allies in the region. Uh, to further squeeze uh, ISIS. Uh, Then we've got to deal with the poisonous ideology, um, which is a much more challenging issue given the fact that we're in an internet age and people can be radicalized, um, you know, over over the internet. Uh, And so we we need to fight on on that front as well. But uh, the fact that we were able to dramatically uh, shrink... uh, Al-Qaeda, and of course to eliminate Osama bin Laden uh, has, has made us, I believe, safer since 9-11. That we need to maintain vigilance. We need a strong Department of Homeland Security. A lot of work to do. And this is a constant battle. Um, and uh, as we've seen from uh, some of the shootings, uh, when you get individuals radicalized, you know, they can do a lot of damage. Mm-hmm. In an area so close to the Capitol, uh, federal funding dictates a large part of the economy. Can you talk about what successes you've had in advocacy for funding for federal agencies that affect this area, both in Congress and what you would anticipate, what, what role you might have in the Senate? Sure. Well, I'm, I'm uh, pleased to say that uh, just within the last 48 hours, uh, Senator Mikulski, Senator Cardin, uh, John Delaney, and I announced uh, over $6 million in federal funds to help federal ca- Frederick County firefighters. Um, it will support over about 40 positions over a tier- two-year period of time. Uh, this is from the SAFER grants uh, from the Department of Homeland Security. Uh, here in Frederick, given the growth, the population growth, there's been a, uh, a real shortage of uh, folks who can be on the front lines, firefighters and emergency medical personnel. So we work very closely with um, the firefighters, uh, with your terrific county executive, Jan Gardner, and others, uh, to get those federal funds. Um, We were also able to provide uh, about $1.5 million uh, to the National Fallen Firefighters uh, Foundation up in Emmitsburg, uh, which I'm pleased is part of the current congressional district uh, I represent. 
uh, in order to support their efforts to make sure that um, firefighters can be as safe as possible in what is a very unsafe uh, job. Uh, it's part of their uh, everybody comes home, everybody goes home uh, effort. And so that's to fund new technologies to help protect firefighters. So that's just been in the last 48 hours we were able to announce that. Um, beyond that, uh, I've been uh, very focused, as I said earlier, on trying to increase federal transportation funds, which will help with uh, I-270, uh, and uh, also help spearhead um, a consortium of Maryland community colleges uh, to get a large federal grant to help uh, provide students with cybersecurity training and skills. This is a obviously a huge issue, uh, cybersecurity. Uh, Maryland is home to the Cybersecurity Command um, over in the Fort Meade area, and we as a state have a huge opportunity here uh, to be at the forefront uh, of those efforts. And so that's why I worked hard to get this grant. Uh, Frederick Community College, which is a great, uh, great asset, great treasure uh, here in Frederick County, uh, got about a million dollars of those funds to help Frederick County uh, students um, develop skills in the area of cyber uh, security. So th those are a couple of examples. I worked very hard as part of the Farm Bill, working with farmers uh, to get funds to help provide them the tools and resources uh, to help protect the Bay. Um, that's got to be a, a community effort. Everybody's got to uh, shoulder their share of the responsibility, and we need to work with the farming community uh, that wants to be part of the solution. Um, and I'm proud to have worked with many of the farmers here in Frederick uh, on on those issues. So we've gotten federal resources uh, for that purpose as well. So um, I, I think that it's really important, and we're, we're here because Senator Mikulski is vacating the Senate seat. She's been a, a champion uh, of you know, providing federal investments to help jobs here in Maryland. Uh, and with Fort Detrick and a lot of the other bases, you know, whether it's Pax River or Aberdeen or others, we've got to make sure that when we have another round of BRAC, if we have another round of BRAC, uh, that we protect the very important national assets that are also huge job drivers here in Maryland. Um, and moving along to something else. I was going to ask you about BRAC, but you already took care of that. Um, you know, on the issue of campaign finance, um, it's it's been a big issue in your campaign so far. It's been an issue, um, a discussion, I'll say, between you and Kathy Shalaga and before that um, with Congresswoman Donna Edwards. One of the issues that comes up frequently is money from political action committees or lobbyists. Um, what changes, if any, do you think need to be made to campaign finance? Oh, I think we need a radical overhaul of our campaign finance system. I think it's a broken system. Uh, I think it was broken even before uh, the decision in Citizens United, the Supreme Court decision that opened the floodgates uh, to uh, unlimited uh, corporate money uh, and so-called independent expenditures um, and the creation of super PACs uh, and the secret money that's now flowing uh, into so many uh, campaigns. So I early introduced legislation called the Disclose Act, a very straightforward idea that has been supported by Republicans and Democrats and independents that says voters have a right to know 
who is spending money in these elections. Number one, I think there's too much money through super PACs. But at the very least, let's eliminate the secret money because voters should be able to have a sense of who is funding what campaigns. Um, unfortunately, my, you know, my opponent in this um, campaign voted against state legislation to provide more transparency and more disclosure in campaign finance. And one of her top supporters is the head of the group, Citizens United, uh, that uh, you know, opened the door to all this unlimited corporate money and secret money. And in fact, there's a, it was just the other day, saw that there was um, one of these organizations that is providing secret funds, meaning we don't know who the donors are, uh, to help support my you know, Republican opponents a campaign uh, as we speak. I, I think the public has a right to know, and I think all voters, regardless of political affiliation, uh, agree that voters have a right to know who is bankrolling these uh, campaigns, and uh, I'm going to keep fighting for that. And and you've received money from lobbying firms and from political action committees. Are you comfortable with all of the donations that you've received as part of your campaign? Well, I've I've proud to have received uh, support from uh, Marylanders overwhelmingly. Um, you know, in the, in the primary, uh, we saw a lot of money coming to my opponent from out of state. Uh, our funds have been raised from people who live and work in Maryland primarily. Um, if you're asking me whether I'm proud to have the support of uh, organizations or political action committees that support uh, working Marylanders? The answer is yes. So, for example, uh, SCIU, which supports working, you know, working people, um, nurses who are working hard in our hospitals uh, every day. I'm I'm proud to have their support uh, and their endorsement. Uh, and uh, I think that uh, that is a reflection. The fact that we've received such strong support from Marylanders is a reflection of the fact that. Uh, Marylanders are looking for someone who's going to stand up for them uh, in the United States Senate. Mm -hmm. If the <coughs> election goes a certain way, Maryland could end up with an all-male delegation in Congress and the Senate again, uh, all-white male. Is that a significant um, uh, change? And how have you been addressing the question? I know Congresswoman Edwards uh, pointed out that as a black woman, that she would have a different perspective, maybe add some diversity to the Senate. You've had to answer those questions for a while. What have you said? Well, first I should say, we, I mean, Elijah Cummings is a member of the delegation, so it's not an all-white uh, male uh, delegation. He does a terrific uh, job in the United States uh, Congress. Uh, look, at the end of the day, I think voters uh, make decisions based on the issues that they care about, their values and priorities. I was very pleased that in the primary campaign, um, I not only won uh, around the state, but I won by the same margin, 15%, with women voters in the state, according to all the exit polling. And it's because regardless of your gender, uh, you want somebody who's going to be fighting to advance the priorities and values that you care about. Uh, and a majority of women voters in the primary, and I'm very much hoping a majority of women voters in the general election, uh, will also uh, agree that when it comes to issues that are important to women and families and to all of us, um, I've got a record. So it's not just something I talk about. It's something that I have focused on uh, throughout my public 
service, um, very active uh, in fighting to uh, empower women economically and build on small businesses and women-owned businesses and minority-owned businesses. Um, when it comes to uh, women's health care, I've been on the forefront of that fight, uh, working on the Affordable Care Act. Uh, I believe in a woman's right to choose. Uh, my opponent in this election um, is against uh, a woman's right to choose, uh, has been very active in the opposition to the right to choose. Um, my opponent in this election voted against increasing the Maryland minimum wage. Uh, I think a minimum wage increase is important to all working people, uh, but disproportionately to women workers uh, who are paid at lower uh, wages. Uh, I support uh, earned paid sick leave. Uh, I think it's important that uh, if your child is sick, you don't have to choose between uh, making sure you pay the rent and put food on the table and caring for them. My opponent is against uh, the legislation in Annapolis for earned paid sick leave. I'm for that national legislation. So it's the issues at the end of the day that regardless of your gender or your race, that's what people look at. And that's what I think we want in this country. We want people electing the representatives, the senators, regardless of race or gender, who they believe will be able to best carry on uh, those values and those priorities. And I'm proud that Senator Mikulski uh, has said in endorsing me that if you want to continue the Senator Mikulski legacy, uh, you should support uh, Chris Van Hollen for the United States Senate. Okay. Uh, well, I was going to say, actually, um, you know, we could probably ask you about issues all day, <laughs> mm -hmm. but you do have a campaign trail to get back to, I believe. Yes, indeed. Um, are there any important issues that we haven't touched on that you would like to bring up now? Well, we covered a lot of territory, and thank you for the, uh, the conversation. Uh, I, I do believe that on all of these issues, whether it's education, jobs, uh, retirement security. We haven't talked about the importance of protecting Social Security and Medicare. It's a fight that I've uh, been fighting and will continue to, uh, with the help of, with the support of the, the people of Maryland, be able to continue that uh, fight. But on all of these issues, I, I do think it's important that we have people who are willing to work across party lines. And we talked a little bit about that. Uh, and as I said, one of my first jobs was for a, a moderate Republican senator uh, from Frederick County, uh, Mac Mathias. And that is a model that I've always uh, you know, thought of as a role model and to pursue. Uh, because at the end of the day, I think we have a lot more that we have in common <laughs> as Americans than we have that separates us. And so I'm very worried when you have candidates that um, – focus on the divisions in politics. And, and the reality is we definitely have a presidential candidate in Donald Trump who's focused on dividing uh, people. And that makes it harder uh, to work together. And I think we need to work together. Mm -hmm. And where can voters go to learn more about your campaign? Well, they can go to our uh, website at uh, vanholland.org, and uh, we encourage them uh, to do that. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for coming in. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. In the Booth is produced by Graham Cullen, Chris Sands, Jeremy Bauerwolf, and myself. Our theme music is courtesy of FNP reporter and rocker Kelsey Luce. If it's politics and it's Frederick, we hope you'll join us for the conversation in the booth.